Welcome to Kapwa Conversations, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Filipino, Philippinex folks in the health and wellness space. We use the indigenous wisdom of Kapwa, or shared inner self, to connect, inspire, and remember that we are all connected. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and be in Kapwa together. You can also help spread the word by sharing today's episode on social media and tagging us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. Without any further ado, here's today's conversation. And welcome to the show, Tim. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah. And how are, I know you're, uh, we're talking right now and you just finished your day. At, you're doing mm-hmm. in-person fitness at your studio. So what is, what's Correct. that looking like these days? Yeah. Um, I mean, in a sense, like nothing. <laughs> okay. That's a lie. Things, I mean, things are definitely different. Um, however, like, I, I feel like we've kind of settled back into sort of a new normal. What I feel like is like the 12th version of new normal this year. <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I feel, I feel like things are back in a pretty good routine. You know, the one thing that's still not allowed right now is indoor group fitness classes. So I'm right now, I'm just doing semi-private training. So anywhere from like one person at a time to up to the three people at a time in a space that, you know, there's plenty of room, but we got to wear masks. Everyone has like a designated zone that they're working out in. Uh, so it's really good. Um, I, I do feel like I'm back in a somewhat of a good flow, a good routine. And the, it's almost going so well that part of me knowing 2020 is just like bracing for like, oh man, like what disruption is going to happen now, <laughs> but it's going well. Yeah. I mean, that's good to hear. Each week feels like a year. So who knows? Yeah. To come. <laughs> totally. Totally. And I guess to start things off, if you can tell us a little bit about your journey with health and wellness and a little bit about your relationship with Filipino, Filipinx identity. I, I grew up around lots of Filipinos. I'm a first generation um, you know, uh, Filipino American. So my parents uh, moved here in the late 80s. And I was born and raised in the Bay Area. So I was born in San Francisco, I grew up in South San Francisco. And I was around Filipinos for most of my life growing up. I mean, you know, there's, you know, I went to school in in San Francisco, San Francisco. Um, So there was like diversity. But like, when I went to high school, you know, it was like predominantly Filipino, like we were the largest um, demographic at my high school. And so it's interesting. I, I think I took for granted what what that was like, because I didn't realize how unique that was until I went to college and I went to a school that was predominantly white. And uh, that I think that was the first time that I was like, whoa, I feel like a fish out of the water. Like, and, and, uh, where I had to consciously, I think, process like racial identity stuff for what felt like the first time, I think, like consciously processing, like feeling like I was out of the norm, um, things like that. And so um, all that to say, like, uh, you know, if, if that's where I was in college, I, I think college was also where I kind of started to develop an interest in fitness. I think I knew from high school that I wanted to 
from high school all the way through college, I kind of had my sights set on being a physical therapist. And then through a like turn of events, I, I just like ended up in New York City. And uh, so it was kind of like one thing after the other. I worked at a physical therapy clinic right out of high school. I didn't really like that place. And um, long story short, I, I um, decided to apply for this uh, strength and conditioning internship because that was of interest to me. And um, there was the, the PT on, who, who co-owned the facility is someone who I had been following through the online world for a little bit. I really wanted to learn from them. Went there um, while I was doing my internship. It was unpaid. It was in, in uh, Indianapolis. I didn't know anyone in Indianapolis. So I moved to the, I left my full-time job, went to this uh, strength and conditioning internship, uh, which was unpaid. I like fell in love with the actual training piece at the, uh, when I was there. And uh, I was also waiting while I was there. I was waiting back to hear back from the one PT school I applied to because I only applied to one and it was the one that I really wanted to get into. And I just, you know, I didn't really feel like applying to the rest. Um, and I thought I would get in, but I didn't. Um, and then weirdly enough, it like stung for like 10 minutes. Like I thought I would, I don't know, it was kind of like, it was like a slap in the face, but then I got over it really quick. And, um, you know, I called my mom <laughs> like one does and I told her that I didn't get in. And then um, I, I like sat in the car. I remember where I was, I was driving home from my internship from, from the facility. And um, I saw that I don't do this. I checked my phone while I was driving. I saw that I got an email from the school. And so I peeled off to this parking lot in uh, like this parking lot of like for a veterinary hospital, not veteran. Um, and it's like so vivid to me because I remember in that parking lot, I like looked at this email thinking I was going to get in. I found out I got rejected. I like processed my feelings for like 10 minutes, called my mom. And then there was a shift of like, oh, like, I had planned for the next three years of my life to be like earning this doctorate. And now it's not there. I can really do whatever I want right now. Um, you know, I was in a relationship, don't have kids, like don't have a full-time job because this internship's going to end. And then I, I decided that I wanted to move to New York city just because that's something that I've been wanting to do since I was 19. I visited for the first time. Um, and so to abbreviate this story, I moved to New York city because I applied to the gym that I'm working at now, Mark Fisher Fitness, which um, I absolutely love. This is, I feel like this is kind of the place that brought me up in the fitness industry. And then, um, and then through that, yeah, I worked at Equinox and like started picking up my own clients. And then like, before I knew it, I, I was like, I'll be in New York city for a year. Um, you know, just cause you know, I thought New York city was going to be a fun thing. And then I would apply, apply to PT schools again. And then as I got further into that year, I just, started to discover that I really actually love this thing. And, you know, I don't know if I'll do this forever. I do see myself doing it for a long time. And, um, you know, and now I'm at the place where I'm envisioning, okay, what do I want the next five years of my life, both my life in general and my professional life to look like. And I do still think I'll be in fitness to some capacity. Um, although I'm trying to tease out what the details of that look like. Um, but yeah, long story short, I kind of, I, I think physical therapy was always like adjacent to fitness. And I was, I, I think I, I, I thought I wanted to go the clinical route and who knows, maybe that will change again in the future, but I stumbled into this and now I, I love it. And I think I'm going to be doing this for the foreseeable future until, 
um, until life takes me elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's beautiful to hear that kind of when you hear a no, sometimes yeah. it it's a it's a needed no because it opens a door to something that you didn't even know that you mm-hmm. needed or was wanting. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I hundred percent. I'm wondering what. Was there a specific moment where you knew that this is more than just an, an in-between, try it out, really what I want to do for the next, you know, five or so years? Yeah, um, you're, you're right. It did start as a transient, like, because the position I applied for here at Mark Fisher, MFF for short, was a part-time short-term role. And um, so I moved here in the summer and it was going to go until like mid-November, I think. And then I was also working at Equinox at the same time. And you're right, I did start as a transient thing. And I don't think it was one defining moment. I think it was an accumulation of lots of little defining moments, like small defining moments that like over time started to develop like or, or reinforce this identity of like, oh, wow, like, I'm, I'm a coach, like, like, I can like, I think it was a series of, it's kind of all the hats, I, th- I think a lot of times people, um, especially with social media, people have this image of trainers as like, you know, they're always wearing sweats, and like, they're always wearing or working out, and like, take some like, nice, inspirational, like, Instagram photos of the caption, but I mean, and sure, like, that, that can be part of it, but it's like, there's, the technical aspect of it, you know, knowing basic things like, like biomechanics, like exercise physiology. Um, but then, and this is, I think the piece that I really fell in love with that I think has, has been a theme in any, any role that in my life, like when I look at my life and I look at like, okay, what are the roles that I really enjoyed? It was, it always had to do with, um, with working with people and, and then not just that, but like, meeting people where they're at and then giving them the resources that they need to elevate themselves or to to flourish, become a, or to live a more full version of their life. And so I I do see that as kind of the larger theme. And I think fitness right now just happens to be the the specific expression of that. And so Mm -hmm. I think when you talk about defining moments, it was a lot of, there's a lot of moments where, you know, like, someone's having a shitty day and like this hour with me is like the one hour that they have for themselves and like the one hour that they get to have a reprieve from their life or you know someone coming in and like they're just like in the dumps because they're like boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them and and I think it was like a, a repeated pattern of like oh my gosh like I'm I in a way it like did feel like a heavy responsibility but like one that was always that I've always felt like it was really joyful where it's like, I have the opportunity to potentially be the best part of someone's day and meet them wherever they're at. And then by the end of this hour, they're feeling more, um, they have more belief in themselves. They have, they, they walk out feeling more confident. They, um, it, it's like whatever happens in that hour, they it refills their cup and then they can go out into the rest of their life and then pour back into the world. And I feel like it was a series of just little interactions like that, where whether it was like a specific exercise technical cue that like made a difference in someone's deadlift or, or maybe just like a conversation during a rest period. And 
it's so hard to pick one defining moment, but I, I do think that that's kind of the theme where like, I look back at, I'm in, I will be in about like two months. I will have been doing this for four years now. And that's kind of been the theme for those four years. It's like, when I feel like my cup is running dry or I start to feel burnt out, you know, because I think there's a statistic that like majority of trainers that join this field burn out in the first three years. Like there's just a lot, like you don't make a lot of money in the beginning and your hours are, you're working split shifts. It's like people only work out before work, after work, or in the middle of their day. And so if you're going into this, you can't expect to work like a nice clean nine to five job. Your hours are going to be really long. You, you know, you're not getting paid. And so I definitely feel like I entered like this period, this tunnel of like hustle as much as I hate the glorification of hustle culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like I really and people in industries everywhere. But th- there was definitely a tipping point this year where I was like, OK, Tim, it's going to it's not going to be it won't be the most fun thing for a while. And so I, I think I have had periods even, you know, just in the middle of this pandemic where I've I've been like, man, am I I burnt out? Is it time to pivot? Um, Is it time to do something else? And then I feel like when I'm in those periods, it's like little interactions where it's always been that people piece that reminds me, like I'll have a session with a client in the middle of a long day. And like, like we have some sort of interaction. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now in this period of my life. Like, I don't know if it's forever, but like, this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I think it's little things like that, that keep refilling my cup, which I feel very fortunate for, because, you know, I think people spend a lot of their lives looking for, uh, we spend so much of our lives at work. And I think a lot of people spend so much of their lives looking for work that gives them kind of that kind of um, refilling of their cup. And I, I feel just very fortunate that I get to have that be part of mine. So. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of takeaways that people who are listening to this can hear. I know for myself, even though personal fitness and training isn't my background, the things that I'm hearing that resonate is that having that internal intrinsic motivation check of your purpose and what is the thing that's going to drive you. And I think for both of us, community, Kapwa, that is a big you know, we are built for connection and to know that you can incorporate your purpose with connecting other people. And then you're also able to, you know, be like what you said, that what you're offering is a vehicle for people to become a fuller, higher version of themselves. And I I definitely mm-hmm. feel that same way with dance and yoga that, you know, I'm teaching you a physical practice, but I'm also trying to open your eyes to a different way of seeing the world by yeah. looking at your body in a different way, starting mm-hmm. with starting with the home that you live in, that you will be living in for your physical life, and then thinking of it in a different way. And then maybe that'll expand the way that you see, interact with others or, yeah. you know, have empathy for other people who can't live in the kind of body and do the kind of things that you can. I love that. I think I, I specifically the word vehicle. Actually, it's really funny because that's such a specific word. But I remember very, very clearly I was in Indianapolis at my internship and I started following um, MFF um, kind of on social media. And I just kind of started to be on my radar a little more. I think a big part of it was 
they really emphasize the aspect of like humanity. I think a lot of people think of fitness as like, I think a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth from fitness because they like have, you know, poor experiences in the gym where they like um, feel intimidated or like other times in their life where they felt like excluded um, or whether that was cause like body image or like physical ability or whatever. And I remember um, trying to think about, cause at this point I'd been rejected from PT school already. And I was thinking about what my next move was. New York was looming over my head and I was like, you know what? Like, I think that might be it. And I was, I was listening to this talk. Uh, MFF was doing these, like um, they, they called them salons. So they're kind of like these panels for um, panel discussions for like different issues. And I remember listening to one of them from a Facebook live when I was in the kitchen of the place I was renting in Indianapolis. And specifically the line that stood out to me was we believe that fitness is a vehicle for you to live a more purposeful life. And I, I love that you, it's such a specific word, but I remember like crystal clear where I was in my kitchen, like the rice cooker was to my left. And like, it's so crystal clear to me. And that was one of the things I was like, okay, like I need to work, like this is a place I need to work at. And this is, and then, and like New York City is where I need to be. Um, and so I, I just love that you say said the word vehicle because that transports me back to the, one of the moments that uh, that gave me clarity as to like what I should be doing now. And so, yes, completely agree. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think that that's not by mistake that there is, you know, reasons that those reminders, those things resonate in you so that you can have those moments of recall. Like we're mm -hmm. having now and they're like, yeah, that is that is why I'm doing it, especially in these times where, you know, sometimes it's hard to see it because there are so many there's a lot of external noise that that is yeah. yeah resounding and the other thing i'm thinking of as we start to dig deep is i'm wondering how your identity as filipino navigating these spaces especially in new york because you mentioned equinox and yeah what it's like to be uh a trainer in the city i mean i i was a part mm -hmm. of equinox for a while as a as a member and mm -hmm. i don't think i can recall seeing that many filipino filipinex trainers or, or teachers so yeah, yeah i'm wondering i mean you don't specifically have to talk about that experience but just what it's like you know having your cultural identity and pursuing and starting to to make it here in new york what is that like i i'm doing what i'm doing right now because of a genuine love for it like right like uh i i think there are stories out there which by the way i think are if they're coming from an honest place are completely valid um stories there that uh are are somewhat along the lines of like you know what like i'm here to prove something on behalf of like this identity that I have in like, you know, as a minority in a space. And I think, I, you know, I think there, there have been times where that's been true, um, but I, I genuinely love what I do. And I think I would do that. Like, even if I was in a different space, that said, I think fitness, not like, not even in New York city, just fitness as a whole. I, for so long, I viewed fitness as like, even if it, I didn't put words to it, like I couldn't have articulated this like back in high school, but like fitness was a white thing. Like, I mean, you look at like, I think things are a lot better now because you look at men's health, you look at women's health magazine, you look at like Lululemon ads, like there's a, there's 
more representation, but I, I don't feel like that that was the case. I, I think, you know, I think that goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, the past like seven to 10 years where it has become more of a conversation about like, what does representation these spaces look like? But I mean, I remember in high school, like you looked at a, like a men's health magazine or you Google the words like fitness male or like fitness, you know, woman, like it's always going to be like this, this white, like muscle dude with a very specific shape, a very specific like face, like, you know, the woman's going to be like, um, like a white, like, and you, we all know, I'm, I'm describing this. I don't feel like I need to describe. I feel like everyone has the picture. Like she has a yoga mat. is coming up. Yeah. She has the yoga mat. Exactly. She has, she has her athleisure, like her leg, you know, and, um, looking behind her left shoulder. Yeah. 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 I mean, even like, yeah, you, you pass by a GNC and like, you know, like the ad or the, like the picture is, um, you know, like some, some do, you, you know what I'm saying? So like, I did feel like, I mean, I don't think I could have put words to it. Like back then, I, representation matters a lot. And I, I think representation matters because even though things are better now, which, which is awesome to see, you know, I've seen some, like, I think a Lululemon ad recently that was, um, I think it was in response. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was in response to, um, uh, the black lives matter protests like back in back in may and you know so i think the whole conversation like are are they doing this because it's a marketing move etc like I, I i don't know how but i do think regardless of what the motive is that representation is important and even though even though it's getting better now i've i've already developed like even though things are starting to shift now i've already developed deep subconscious beliefs because i didn't you know and i think i think anyone any any person of color in any space not just fitness even if like it's becoming more inclusive inclusive like the buzzword now as as places are becoming more inclusive that's great but in the meantime like before all of that we've already we spent our whole lives already developing these like deep subconscious beliefs many of which we're still not even aware of and we're going to spend the rest of our lives like unpacking and so yeah i do think representation super important uh, as far as how filipino identity informs my work um i've always i was always thought of this <laughs> it might sound a little uh, silly but filipinos listening to this will know what I'm talking about, right? Like Manny Pacquiao um, and like, I'm, I'm thinking of like iconic Filipino figures that we saw in the mainstream media. I remember specifically, cause I loved American Idol in season three, Jasmine Trias, she was from Hawaii. Uh, she made yeah. it to the top three. And I remember, so like, you know, so those are just two examples, but anytime a Filipino or Filipino American, you know, ha has been in the limelight, I feel like Filipinos around the country rally around that person. And they're like, when it's time to vote for American Idol, yo, I remember like my parents got on that phone and they like dialed it. And I think there's a rule now. I don't even know if American Idol still exists. I think it does. But I think they later developed a rule where it was like, you can only vote 10 times from a certain phone number. But I, I don't know if that was in place at the time, but my parents were like dialing and putting as many votes as they could. And I, you know, I love Jasmine Trias too. Like, you know, I, you know, as a fifth grader, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to be her, you know? <laughs> um, but, and, and I think it, it's, 
it's like really funny thinking about it now. And I think there was, um, you know, I, I do remember, you know, like being like middle school, high school, and people would say things like, oh, oh, you're only a fan of, you know, man, which by the way, I, I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware that, you know, there's a whole discussion about like, Manny, which actually I will, I will get into this. I, I'm fully aware that there's a discussion of like Manny's like religious views and like how that pertains to marriage. And so there's almost like this, like quote, quote unquote, like canceling of him. I will touch on that in a sec. Cause I have thoughts on that, but um, there was almost this sense of like, Oh, you're just, you're only a fan of them because they're Filipino. And I think at the time I, I mean, even now I was no like they're they're actually good at what they do like jasmine trius was a great singer like manny was a, a freaking good athlete right um so I, I do still think that now and if i would go back in time or if that that was you know someone said that to me now i think my answer would be slightly different and i would say yeah i am a fan of them because they're filipino like they're good at what they do but i'm also a fan of them because they're filipino and I think there was a time in my life where I was embarrassed of how much, like, this is still something that it sounds so silly. This is something that like I'm unpacking now. Like I was really embarrassed of my family rallying behind or getting really excited about a boxing match. Um, and like, Oh, like it's, mm-hmm. it's because he's Filipino or like getting embarrassed about them rallying behind like Jasmine Trias in season three of American Idol. And now I think about it and I'm like, no, that makes so much sense. Like when you're deprived of seeing yourself ever in the public eye and you have like, I think Asian Americans, I think I, I think I can speak on behalf of Asian Americans, but I, I will only speak on behalf of Filipinos because I'm Filipino, full Filipino. But like you, like I can count on, I'm giving these examples right now. I'm even struggling to even think of more celebrities, right? Like, and I know they're out there. I know if you gave me time, I could think of more and probably count them on two hands. But like the fact that I can right at this moment only say Manny and Jasmine, even though there's probably more, that in and of itself is indicative of like, there's a representation problem. And when you never see yourself, or I think of like my parents or my parents' generation, you know, they moved here as immigrants and I'll never know what that's like but you move here and you're different and you're trying to make it and assimilate into this new life. And you never see yourself um, as the main character. I feel like as Filipinos, as Asians, mm. and I'll speak on behalf of Filipinos, we're always the residual character. We're always, um, we're always part of the supporting cast, right? Like we're always, we're always adjacent or we're always on like, we're always the little, the, the side story that never gets fully developed and doesn't get like, and so it makes so much sense to me why I think at once, in this moment, in this moment, I think I'm feeling a sense of like, um, this maybe sounds too, <laughs> too grand, but almost like this sense of like, yeah, I want justice to be served in those moments where people said, you're only a fan of them because they're Filipino. Yes fuck yes we are because we never see that and so when you see yourself like you see someone that could be you absolutely slaying on a platform that is when they are the main character when they are the protagonist we never see ourselves as the protagonist of course you're gonna rally behind them and so yes i still stand behind the fact that jasmine's an excellent singer and i stand behind the fact that like manny's a great athlete despite some losses but like 
Also, yeah, I am a fan of them because they're Filipino. And I think they did, they, I think they did a, a phenomenal job of being in the spotlight and giving lots of people and kids like me something to look at and be like, oh shit, you can be Filipino and like be a main character in, in the narrative of this country. I've never seen myself, I've rarely seen myself I think we rarely ever see ourselves as the main, as the protagonist in, in this story. And humans, you know, um, there's a great book called, I think it was a new New York times bestseller called sapiens. And it talks about the development of, uh, of homo sapiens, the human race as it is now, as we know it over like millions of years and narrative is so narrative goes back to, to millions, millions of years, and just like was a mechanism for how humans survived in the world and how humans became what we are now. And so narrative is not just like this buzzword that gets thrown around now. Narrative is central to how we operate in every facet of our lives. And so if in this country, the narrative of this country is like, you never see yourself as a protagonist, that's going to have huge trickle down effects on every single thing and every aspect of your identity. And so I know I went down a deep rabbit hole. However, to go back to your original question of how does my Filipino identity inform my work? I think, yeah, just like who I am as a person, I strive to bleed excellence. Like <clears throat> excellence is one of my values. And I think just by virtue of being Filipino and trying to be excellent at what I do, um, my hope is that other people can see someone like me and be like, and, and just feel inspired even sounds like too weak of a word, but just feel like, oh shit, there's someone that I really, that there's someone that could be me and that is doing what I want to be doing and is doing it, you know? And so, yes, to tie it back around, that yes. is my Filipino identity for my work. I think that's, that's a big, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a chip on my shoulder thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not out to be like, oh, I'm going to prove myself. I genuinely love what I do. That's why I'm doing what I do. Um, and I do think that this is uh, going to be a natural consequence of that. And what I hope is the consequence for, you know, for other, other Filipino, Asian Americans and Filipino Americans. So, yeah. And yeah, there's no, definitely no need to, yeah, be sorry about yeah. going into that depth because I think there's a lot there that I think when people hear this, they will also be piecing together from their childhood and, and making that connection because I'm sure a lot of people, you know, grew up in that, in that same era that we did. And yeah, you naming it, putting it out there makes me also, you know, I was doing a little internal check of what it was like for me. And it was very similar where I saw and like a part of me was very into the Pinoy Pride movement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god. It's like <laughs> all at once. It's like cringe. Like, yeah, look, like I do I cringe at it so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like cringe at like the but and you know, I understand where it comes, you know, I think like post that <laughs> and then it trickled down to everything like our aim usernames our, our aol oh, instant yeah. messenger usernames and like um but yeah yeah for life l-y-f-e um but um it's so funny and that's so funny and so cringy and yet like when i think of our 
like, you know, like the place we're in in society at that period of time, like it makes sense. Like you just never see yourself. So that would be honestly the most understandable reaction that I, I would expect someone to have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the image that I'm thinking of is if you've been wandering in a desert and you've been thirsty for how many days, how many months, and the moment that you see water, even if it's a drop of it, you're mm, going to think ooh. it's an oasis. You're going to, you're yeah. going to be so, you know, joyful. You, you're going to latch on to every single drop that you can get because you haven't yeah. had you've been thirsting all this time. I mean, at thirst now, it's yeah. a different thing, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's what we, that, that's now the reflection that I had, but hearing you retell yeah. your story growing up. And yeah, yeah, I think there's also, the other thing I'm thinking of is there's also this piece that Filipinos, even though we are the second or third largest um, Asian demographic in America, we are often invisible. We're the supporting character. We're the, mm-hmm. we're the people in the background. We often are the chameleon shapeshifters in society because we have Spanish colonialism and Spanish last names. And we were also Americanized. So English is a national mm-hmm. language. And it's very easy to assume that assimilation and just putting us in the background and Mm-hmm. Yeah, things change the moment that you have the, that experience of seeing somebody in front of the room and them owning their identity and whatever their their excellence is in implicitly gives other people the permission to take up the space in whatever yeah. places they want to as well. Yeah. Yeah. I actually... I. Yes to all of that. And, and, and to, to reinforce that point, um, I, I know I touched on like the whole Manny thing. Um, uh, I'm not even sure what year this was, but you know, there was like, I think it was an interview where like, basically he came under scrutiny for being homophobic, which for the record, I'm gay. And so, you know, uh, I, I think the statement was something along the lines of like marriage should be a man and a woman. True. You know, like, I, I personally don't, you know, I don't want to represent like, you know, this, this show or this podcast, but I, I disagree with that. However, I think for a lot of people to, uh, I think it is indicative of privilege for someone to, to one, either disavow Manny as an icon for themselves or shame other people for continuing to look up to Manny for like being a representation of Filipino Americans in the world of athletics uh, or sorry, not even just Filipino Americans, Filipinos in the world of athletics, because I think for you, for someone to be able, and again, again, I'm going to reinforce that I, I don't support that view. Um, I, again, I'm gay. I think I should be able to get married <laughs> point blank to another man if I want to. Um, and, and, but I also do think that like being able to disavow someone and then shift to a different role model is a privilege because that means you have options. That means you have options to choose from. And I didn't feel, you know, for someone, for if anyone listening to this is gay and Filipino American or just gay and Filipino, that puts someone in a, in a place of like, well, shit, like I see myself represented here and like, I also feel like a piece of my identity is like maybe invalidated or whatever. 
And it's not easy to just find another, like, give, like, honestly, anyone listening to this, tell me 10, and I'm saying 10, like, and even now, I feel like that's a lot. It's really not, because if you said list 10 exceptional white athletes, you could list that off. If I said list 10 exceptional black athletes, you could list that off. Okay, here we go. List 10 exceptional Filipino athletes. Where are they? <laughs> you know, you're going to hit pause because you're going to need some time and Google. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think, yes, I just, you know, I disagree with that view. And also to be able to just either disavow someone and look at someone else as a role model or, or as a, a form of representation or, or to shame someone for continuing to, you know, uh, see someone as a form of representation because representation sorely lacking, I think that is a form of privilege that you have other options to choose from. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my, that was my little side tension, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also, it, there's, there's an, and also, right. We, we have multi, multi identity lives. So the other right. Right. It's like, it's hard to hold that one person who becomes the example of excellence in one of your identities they're also not a monolith. They, there is no way that that one person can represent right, exactly. every, every full, the full spectrum of the Filipino experience of all the other identities that are intertwined there. So yeah, think, totally. Yeah, that's also something important, especially now where we are living in a time of call out culture, cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I have, I have personally mixed feelings on it, but yeah. There is that other thing to keep in mind of even even in the midst of the ways that that person is wrong, mm-hmm. that person also doesn't represent the full totality of that one identity that we're yeah. latching onto. Totally. One, yeah, 100% agreed. Yeah. I'm wondering to take it to you because I'm also thinking of it for myself is that what, what are those identities and communities that really drive who you want to represent and and how are you showing up in the work that you do for, for those communities? Yeah. So uh, as far as identities go, um, you know, if we're talking about intersections, you know, I am a person of color. This one, the obvious one, I'm a person of color. I'm Asian American, specifically Filipino American. Um, I'm also gay, so I'm part of the LGBTQIA community. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think, I kind of think of, in terms of how I'm serving those communities I represent, I think about this in three big ways. Uh, the first one is, Specifically, when we talk about representation, um, I I think a lot about like redeeming spaces or reclaiming experiences that um, may not have been welcoming for people of those identities. So a specific one I, I think of is um, the LGBTQIA community. So I work at a very queer friendly gym and, um, you know, a lot of folks that I work with have uh like it's it's something that we i think we can kind of joke about because we have this common ground but um i think a lot of people have this very sour experience of what it was like being gay and like 
whether that was in a locker room or in PE or, or just like in this physical arena. And so to me, that brings me a lot of joy to be able to, um, one, create a space where uh, people can approach this thing that might have initially been intimidating and then help them redefine their experience of it. And it becomes this kind of redemptive thing. And actually one of the, one of my favorite stories that I actually love is um, uh, a client that uh, at our gym uh, that I've worked with, he's taking class with me before. Um, I saw him post on Facebook. This is like, I think a year or two ago where he was at a New York sports club or some big box gym. And he was like, the gist of his post was, man, like this felt really good because I was wearing nail polish and I benched more than the bro next to me. And it was kind of this sense of like, I felt like I was able to take up space, like where before um, it, I didn't feel like that was my arena. I didn't feel like I could have a seat at that table. And for me, it's like experiences like that, that make what I do feel very fulfilling. Um, the, the second thing um, as more of a bigger picture um, through, a, through a bigger picture lens is now I, I kind of think more about health and fitness through the lens of social determinants of health. And I think that's really different from where, like, if you had asked me this question, like before I started fitness, when it was kind of just like, I was just an enthusiast. It was just a fun little thing. I would have really emphasized the importance of willpower and grit. All of, I'm not downplaying those things, all of which I think are hugely, hugely important for anyone that has any goal. And I think now I kind of look at intersections of things like access of like representation, you know, like when it comes to messaging of like, who is this for? And, um, and, you know, what are people's income levels? What, what, uh, what type of services can they afford? And then what, what kind of um, access does that give them in certain spaces? And then, um, just larger, broader things like food access and like um, safety in neighborhoods. Like I think now I just think a little bit more carefully about like broad recommendations I make, just um, thinking about how not everyone comes from the same background that I think fitness traditionally caters to. Um, the last one is that uh, I think simply living at the intersection of different identities. So the ones I just described, but also as a fitness professional, as a dancer, um, specifically someone who you know uh, enjoys hip hop. Uh, I think simply living at the intersection of those different identities and then one, pursuing excellence in what I do. And then two, just being open and proud about who I am. I think simply existing there and doing great work and being open about it. I think that in and of itself um, is powerful for people that come from those same communities as well to see that, oh, shoot, like here's someone who's in there who's doing that work and um, and is making space for us. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, thank you for that. And I definitely... A lot of that resonates with me. I mean, especially once you got up to the hip hop <laughs> section, because yeah, yeah. it's a big common thing for both of us. But especially the themes I think I'm hearing are accessibility and inclusion. And I think that is really important in those first steps of changing a narrative where if those places, those spaces didn't feel accessible to those people <clears throat> in the past, there is something to be said for being you know a catalyst for changing that for them yeah absolutely and going back to what you mentioned before about traditional masculine and feminine ideas 
and thinking about the types of bodies that they have. I'm wondering, you know, since we're both cis male, how does that body image of the ideal masculine show up in your work? Yeah, um, that's a great question. To be honest, body image is still something I'm constantly thinking about, you know, both for myself and in terms of the work that I do with people. At, at this point, to be honest, I, I'm not sure I feel comfortable calling myself like an expert on that topic or any, anything of that nature. Um, I will say that uh, I have examined it more in like the past year or two years than I have before and just kind of deconstructing, okay, why do I want, okay, I can articulate a certain desire that I have, whether that's to look a certain way, be a certain way. Um, but then I think a lot of that is unpacking, okay, like, why do I want this thing? And then, you know, laying out my answer for that and then examining that answer and then saying, okay, why do I want that thing? And I think whether that's for myself or other people who are going through that same process of, of, you know, it kind of examining the topic of body issue for themselves, specifically when it comes to like specifically uh, or traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine representations, you know, part of my role as a coach is um, I, I always want to be on your agenda. I make it clear with people that I work with that I'm not your boss. Like I'm your guide. I'm a friend who has some credentials and who wants to see you succeed, but you tell me where you want to go. It's kind of this, this image of, of a Sherpa on a mountain, right? Like you tell me where on this mountain you want to go. And I know this mountain, I can, I can show you how to get there. And so part of my role as a coach is not to tell people, you know, if someone comes to me with a goal and says that they, want a specific, they have a specific ideal for their body, whether that fits a traditional masculine or feminine or whether it doesn't. Um, my role as a coach is not to tell them um, that, hey, this is inappropriate or hey, this, this doesn't fit, you know, what I think is right. Part of my goal is because it always goes back to what is that person's agenda. Part of my role is to uncover okay, let's explore this a little bit more. You said you want this thing, you know, part of my intake is, you know, what's your goals? And there's kind of like, um, there's three sections of that. You kind of list the hierarchy of goals that are important to you. And then a follow-up question is, what makes this goal meaningful to you? How would this make your life better? Um, how does this positively impact every other arena of your life? And so I think getting people to think about beyond just an image and getting them to think about a larger impact that has a ripple effect through the rest of their life, I think that can start to get people's brains going and think a little bit deeper rather than just like, oh yeah, I want to look sexy on the beach, which is perfectly fine, by the way. Like, I think that's a, that's a perfectly great goal. I want, look, summer's over, but I want to look great on the beach next summer. And I also think that it's important to peel back those layers so that, because, you know, when you pursue a goal, it is going to take some effort. It is going to take some trade-offs. There's going to be a series of choices that you're going to have, have to make. And so as a coach, I just want to make sure that anyone I work with knows that, if they're making certain trade-offs that they actually want to achieve the thing that they're saying they want to achieve and that they're clear on the why behind it. Is this thing actually going to make your life better? And then is this thing actually aligned with what you want? Or if we peel back those layers, 
it's just a, just something that you've been conditioned to regurgitate because you've seen it all the time. My 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 role isn't to tell you which answer is right. My role is to just help facilitate that discovery for you. And then once you once you're clear, um, uh, or as you get clear in that process, start to nudge you in the right direction. Um, and by giving you the tools to uh, to empower yourself to do that. So, yeah, I really like the analogy of a Sherpa. And all the imagery that you use with ripples and peeling back the layers, because those are all very similar to mindfulness and meditation practices that when you guide somebody through the concept of mindfulness, the thing that you're trying to bring them to is the, the asking the, the why behind the thing. That yeah. You want. Yeah. And bringing your awareness to those bigger things. Yeah. Because it can be easy for, a fixation on a specific goal to become the the thing that you're always running towards. But then if you don't really know why you're going towards those things, you it, it becomes very easy to get to get lost in the sauce, basically. For for sure. And I think the biggest thing with both myself and my own personal goals and with anyone I work with is like. I think the worst possible outcome is to work your tail off, you know, make sacrifices, get to the end goal that you said you wanted, and then getting there and realizing that that's not actually where you wanted to go in the first place. So that's not delivering the happiness that you thought it would bring and that it doesn't, um, it just doesn't have the return or it doesn't give you the sense of meaning that you were looking for. Um, and and then you gave up a lot of things in that process. And so, yeah, part of my thing is I just want to help you get really clear on that so that when it's come to, when it comes time to make some hard choices, you, you are aligned with what your vision is and what your values are. And you're not just regurgitating this thing that's, that's been fed to you. Yeah. And then the other thing I'm thinking of hearing that is the analogy to yoga where Yoga itself is a multi-limbed practice and the third limb, one of the limbs is the physical practice. So, Hmm. you know, it's easy also to focus on the physical and what kind of benefits come up with that, but there's different ways to get to, you know, if the goal of, of that practice is liberation, the body is one way to get there, but also is the mind and also is the, the ethics that you live by. So it, it's kind of like similar to what I'm hearing with you where you're the vehicle, the path that you're using is the, is the body, is the physical practice, but it is helping you hone in on those other muscles of your mind and of your awareness because all of those things are you know, inevitably connected. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. I love that connection. Yeah. And as we start to close the conversation, is there any imagining, reimagining that you have for the fitness industry? And what kind of advice would you give somebody who maybe is hearing this and wanting to go into it at this time? Um, Any any words of, of wisdom for them? Yeah, um, I think as far as reimagining goes, I think a lot of it's already happening. So uh, what I mean by that is I think before where fitness was like a narrowly defined, like it was like this bro culture or like just for athletes or 
um, you know, like a very like masculine dominated space. I think now, like, honestly, I mean, I feel fortunate to say that like, I don't have to do much reimagining because now I can look around me and see like people in all, like people inhabiting all these different like identities or whatever, um, like being like, fitness professionals and not just like fitness professionals, but like being really great ones. Right. Um, and everything too, in terms of like, you know, your, your niche, I think, um, now there's like much more possibility. Whereas before it was like, okay, like, you know, bodybuilder or like competitive, like field athlete, where now it's like, okay, like, let's work with, let's work with, with hip hop dancers. Let's work with, you know, are you an artist? Like, are you, are you a, do you perform in theater? You know, like there's so many, I think, um, where it used to be such a narrowly defined thing. Um, I do, I do think it's become so much more accessible already. Um, and so that's not to say like the work's done, but, um, I do think we're already moving in the right direction. And so as far as reimagining goes, I would just say like, don't limit your thinking. Like you can think big before it was like, you will be like a trainer at like this small gym and you'll cap out at like, I don't know, $29 an hour or whatever, whatever the price is. And like, that's the life. Whereas like now you can be an entrepreneur, you can build your own business. You can, you can have, um, I know people that, like have a completely different profession and are still fitness professionals. And so as far as reimagining goes for anyone that's thinking about it, there is no one narrowly defined path. There's so many different things you can take. So don't think small about it. Like think about what, what do I want my life to look like five years from now? What do I want it to look like one year from now? And like, really, really imagine that shit. And then like, it doesn't have to be this narrowly. You, you can, there's so much freedom to create what you want as long as you put in the work. Yeah. And then I, I think that would be the advice too. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of it. Yeah. 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 All, I think that was, that was all of it at once. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And the way that we end the conversation is that we have asked the same three questions to each of our guests. So it's rapid fire, whatever comes to your mind, go with it. The first one, <laughs> no pressure. Oh, is what is your favorite Filipino word what does it mean and why does it have an importance to you this is kind of cheating and then I'll give you the first one I think because of this podcast was (laughs) it's like okay but that's like the cheating answer but that really was like the first thing that came to mind kapwa oh okay yeah but but like that's I mean I think it was just the first to come to mind but then after but after I will say after that was Gasama. So like uh like included, right? Or like together or like but like like this. I'm actually not sure what the like sp- strict uh Tagalog to English translation is, but it is this notion of like together, like we're together, you're included, you belong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also Kasama because you can use it as a as a verb, as an action, like an action to call people to be mm, together. Yeah. Kasama yeah. Tayo, yeah. 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 Like yeah. we'll. Yeah. Like yeah. let's journey together. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, which because you mentioned it's your favorite word, other favorite word is how is Kapwa showing up in? Your- <laughs> 
I think in the past like two years, I've done a lot of work like identifying, not just identifying, but like putting names to and then defining what my values are and like, you know, what is important to me? Like, how do I want people to remember me as? And so I've, I've done so some examples of that are um, excellence, belonging, um, curiosity, uh, integrity, right? And like, I don't, I don't embody those things perfectly, like far from it, but I've done, um, done some work, like identifying what those are. And I think, you know, you say like in this, how does, how does Kapwa like <laughs> manifest itself right now? I think, so I think without me even like intentionally being like, oh, I'm going to make friends with people who are curious about, you know, I, I just look at like my circles. I look at people that I tend to gravitate towards. I look at my close group of friends, like here in New York. I look at other people that I'm close to, people that I have just jived well in the past. And I think there's always this sense of like this shared, like we value very similar things. And I think, yeah, like the people that uh, that value the same things and, and um, you know, we agree on what's important to in life, I think those are the people that will naturally, you'll, you'll naturally gravitate towards them. And I'm, I'm thankful that I have people like that in my life. So. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other way maybe to visualize it is I mentioned it, I think in the past is that people have, have mirrors that they hold up and when mm. the way that you treat them or the people that you have in your life that you hold close they're they are holding mirrors as a reflection of who you are and i think yeah mm-hmm. that first step is holding the mirror that's inside yourself and taking a deep look at it yeah i think is yeah what you're saying is throughout the theme of this whole thing is is starting starting there like look at yeah. the mirror and then own own what you're seeing whether it's your body or or, or another identity um, yeah yeah and then go from there our last question is what is the biggest lesson that you're learning these days I do think that this has been a theme I I try to do these on a pretty consistent basis um, I do like an ask me anything on my Instagram and a lot of times hilarious it started out very fitness heavy and now people are getting like real curious about like are you single you know like what do you look for in a man you know like like people are just asking me things like personally which is fine I think it's hilarious and like very intriguing but one of the questions that came up and by the way I I did say ask me anything so like literally ask away (laughs) um but one of the questions that came up was uh what would 40 year old Tim's advice be to Tim now and I got this. I mean, I think anyone with anxiety or any, any normal human with like a brain and emotions has felt anxiety <laughs> at, during this whole year. And whether that's like a ton of anxiety or not. Um, and I remember reading this question and having like, I was in one of those, my anxiety will come in waves. And I think I was in a place where it like, wasn't great. And I, I was like, damn, like what would 40 year old Tim tell me right now? Um, or if I'm imagining myself as 40 year old Tim talking to the version that I am now, what would it be? And the, one of the key, I I said like a few things, it was like a little spiel, but the biggest thing that stood out to me there that I have like written down and posted on my wall in my room. And I, I forget it all the time because I'm human and I'm not perfect. But, um, I think this is something that I'm striving to remember is that who you become 
when I preface this by saying like, you know, we went back to there. I hate the glorification of hustle culture, but I just find myself, I think so many people out of necessity right now, find themselves in a period of hustle. Like we just have to, you know, um, whether that's for financial reasons or like the industry you're working in is like not a thing anymore. Um, and I think I've gotten very preoccupied with what do I want to accomplish or who do I, you know, like, where do I want to be in five years? What do I want my life to be like in five years? And I remember like the biggest piece of this answer that I gave to this, ask me anything, 40 year old Tim would tell Tim now, 27 year old Tim, who you become is more important than what you accomplish. Who you become is more important than what you accomplish. And any time I've had to have like so many talks with myself. Like, I think it's like little things like where, you know, like calling my parents like feels like a burden because I shouldn't be doing X, Y, Z things on my to-do list. And like, you know, or like calling my grandparents or, you know, giving someone a hand for like at my inconvenience and it'll just like ruin my schedule for, I'm very type A when it comes to like a lot of things. And all these things like um, where I have prioritized or like people that have said like, Hey dude, like you, you want to just like hop on the phone and like just catch up. And I think sometimes I can get so sucked into like this tunnel vision of, I want to get from point A to point B that like, not only do I at the risk of like missing the journey, but like missing the development of myself, like who I'm, I'm so um, wrapped up in like just getting there that like the beauty of it is like how like who you become in that and so I think I've just had a lot of moments of conviction where I'm like man like shit like yeah that moment like I did prioritize like what and that's not to say that there's a time and a place to set boundaries but um I think that's just what I've been coming back to a lot is like who and actually my therapist my therapist asked me this like two weeks ago he was like okay like let's say because I was talking about a lot of anxiety he's like let's say the world does end in three months if the world did end in three months, every piece of stability, as you know it right now, every structure that you rely on, like money, currencies, we know it goes out the window. And it's just like a dog eat dog world. And it's just sort of like, let's say, God forbid. <laughs> but he's like, if that did happen in three months, how would you want these last three months to be? Um, your, you know, your final three months of like this life as you know it. And um it made me think, he was like, how would you spend your time? Like, where would you put your, you know, what would you prioritize? And I was like, they all had to do with like relationships. They all had to do with like how I wanted to be remembered. Like, uh, in terms of like, like Tim made me feel this way. Like Tim, you know, helped me believe more. Like they all had to do with just like who I became and how that impacted other people. And so I think that's kind of the big lesson that I'm learning and I'm not perfect at right now, but it's like who you become right now is far, far more important than what you accomplish. And like the to-do list, what your to-do list is never going to end. Like it's not, you're going to get this done and then there's going to be more stuff and you're going to get past these challenges and there will be newer challenges. But like, if you are always like shunning, like the, the truly important things, like so I think that's one of my fears is like climbing up this mountain and like at the end of my life, getting to the very top and being like, fuck, like I spent my whole life putting effort into climbing this mountain and, and this isn't like actually what I want. 
And, you know, and I sacrificed all these things that could have made this journey more meaningful. And so I'm glad that 40 year old Tim reached in from the future and told me that. And uh, that's something I'm trying to remember all the time. So. And so if people wanted to connect with you further, how can they find you? Yeah. So my main, the main thing I'm using right now is my Instagram. It's my first and last name, Tim Landicho. That's T-I-M-L-A-N-D-I-C-H-O. Honestly, DM me through Instagram or shoot me an email at tim.landicho at gmail.com. They're all so creative. It's my first and last name. <laughs> um, yeah, send me an email there. And then um, I, if, if you're interested at all in working with me or like anything that I do, um, we can just have a very low pressure conversation. Um, and then I can kind of send you an application just to get a better idea of how I can serve you. Um, and then we can go from there. That's great. And as somebody who worked with Tim in the past, I highly recommend him. And yeah, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. And that was today's episode. Thank you so much to Tim for joining the conversation. All the info mentioned for his Instagram will be included in the show notes. If you like what you heard and feel called to connect further, subscribe, leave a five-star review for the podcast, and follow us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. We host an IG live after show the Monday after the episode is released, and it's a great place for you to be involved in the conversation with us. We've also just recently joined Clubhouse, an audio-based social platform. You can connect with us there at Kapwa Convos with a K, and we look forward to being in conversation there. This podcast is a part of Kapwa Yoga a movement and mindfulness practice that integrates my background in dance, yoga, and organizational psychology. You can check out our website at www.kapwa.yoga to find out more about our services. A special thank you to Uga for the theme song and episode production. You can connect with him on Instagram at uga.xyz. Thank you for listening. Maraming salamat and catch you in the next conversation.